0: Thank you for tuning in to the Crossover Podcast. We hope this message inspires you and grows your faith. To learn more about Crossover, visit our website at CrossoverNorman.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Crossover Norman. Enjoy the message. What's up, what's up, what's up? How is everyone? Oh, we're still mingling. I like it. Come on now. Find your girlfriend, right? If you love Jesus, say I do. That's what I'm talking about. Listen, if you will turn with me to the fifth chapter of Ephesians, that's where we're going to be handling today. Ladies, we're going to be talking about the dudes tonight. Is that okay? All right. Come on now. I'm excited about it. Come on, Ephesians chapter five. Hey, let's let's give us a little prayer right now. Father, I already feel your presence here and I ask you to continue to be in this place. Lord, calm our hearts, tune in our ears to listen to your word. Let us be able to just learn a little bit more about you and a little bit more about what we can do to just get a little closer to you. Lord, be with this word tonight. Let it penetrate the hearts. Lord, protect this building. Let us void out all distractions of what's going on outside of this these four walls right now, let us just tune in to what we need to hear from you. For it's your name, amen. You know, last week we looked at what Peter was giving some examples on, what the ladies are supposed to have some expectations on, and their role to play in marriage, and um, yes, he did hit on some of them, maybe not all of them, but he hit on some of them, and one of them was on the fact that conduct is important. Your conduct exposes who you live for. If you are a child of a God, if you're a child of God, then your aim is to please and to glorify God and to bring him glory. You don't find your strength in your looks or your clothing. You don't find your strengths in things of this world. You find your uniqueness and your strength from your relationship with Jesus. Because of that relationship, your inward beauty is very important to you. You find peace in the storms. You find joy in the darkness. And because of that inward beauty, you can lead others to Jesus. You can serve others to Jesus. You can glorify Jesus with that inward beauty. So with that, we were telling the fellas last week, when you're looking at your girlfriend and your possible bride to be and you're looking at is this the person that I want to anchor my ship with there's some things that you can evaluate and you can determine if she is someone that you want to spend the rest of your life with I say that there's two relationships that are important in this world the first and foremost relationship is your relationship with Jesus, and that's something that you need to make sure that you have one. And the second greatest relationship is this, your spouse. Find someone guys that is already helping people, that is already serving people, that is already looking like, acting like talking like Jesus, because what that means, it's foreshadowing on how she can help, serve, love, encourage you. We need it, fellas, I promise. I have two Holy Spirits, Jesus and Caroline, and I need it. By the way, I get this about every other week. My wife is the one that sings, okay? That's my wife, all right? The girl can bring it, all right? Everybody's like, oh, your wife's the girl that sings? Yep, that's, that's my boo thing. That's my rib, <laughs> all right? The strongest marriages are when your wife loves and helps and serves and encourages and respects her husband. But marriage is not a one-way street. Amen, ladies? It ain't a one-way street. There's another role that is very important in marriage, and that is the role of the husband. Now, I want to be very keen on this. I want you all to, to listen very much, is that, is that neither role is more important. Does everybody hear that? Not one role is more important than the other. Not one role is less than another. Can we get that on on, on tape? The husband is just as important as the wife, and the wife is just as important as the husband. They are both equals. There are two roles, both working unanimously for for one ultimate purpose, and that is to bring glory to God. But they both have to be working at it. There are two roles that have to be played. So ladies, why do we do our responsibilities? Why do we do these things in marriage? Is it to make just our husband happy or to make our children happy? No, that's a byproduct of it, hopefully. No, it's to bring God glory. Husbands, why do we do our, our responsibilities in marriage? Is it to make all the money and to do all these things and do all that and to dictate the family and do all this? No, 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 no. It's to bring God glory. Every marriage, I believe, looks different to this world, but it should have the same purpose, to bring God glory. You know, a few weeks ago, I told you about Old Blue, my first boat. Took Old Blue out the 4th of July after putting a lot of time and effort in that old 35-year-old boat, and he, he let me down, right? Let me down so much that that the the motor died, and then I had like 8 to 12 inches of water. There's a big difference between 8 and 12 inches. Somewhere around there, right? 8 inches of water. When I pulled the old blue out, I looked underneath, and I saw that there was 12 screw holes in the bottom of the boat. And I went and found the previous owner, which was my dad's best friend. So he's like my dad 2.0. I was like, Sam, what, what happened to the bottom of the boat that there's these 12 holes in it? He goes, well, you know, when I was redoing the floor of the boat, I uh, there's one corner I just couldn't quite get down right, and so I got this old screw and you know need to be laid down a little bit, and so I just screwed that screw in there, and you know, I first time I missed the stud, second time I missed the stud, and then I was already pot committed, so I just kept on screwing and screwing, and it's finally the thirteenth time, I hit the stud that I was aiming. Four in that boat. Ladies, how many of us on our last relationships, we were guessing if he was a stud or not? And each one of us, each one of them, you kept on missing the mark. Oh, he's good looking, uh, miss, right? Oh, he's funny though, right? Miss, right? But he goes to church, miss, right? where's the WWJD bracelet? That was a miss, right? (laughs) Ladies, how many ships have gone under because we keep dating guys that aren't the studs that you need, and you end up poking holes in your boat before you even get started? See, ladies, don't you wish... We had a stud finder. See, Sam said, well, I should have pulled the stud finder out and found exactly where that stud was, so I knew exactly where to go with this. Don't you wish that we had a stud finder? Oh, wait. We do. What? (laughs) See, a stud finder looks through the surface of something and it finds exactly what you were looking for. And so ladies, this is what I ask, and guys, I ask you to do this as well when you're starting to date somebody. Why don't you get this Word of God, and why don't you put it in front of your girlfriend or your boyfriend, and why don't you start seeing if their life starts lining up with the Word of God and you start looking, do they act like, and talk like, and worship like, and are they like what the Word of God is supposed to be? And you start seeing, does their life compare to this? Is there the, are they the persons that I need to be with? And if, if their actions and their words and all that they do doesn't line up with Scripture, then don't waste your time with them. Can I get an amen on that? Come on now. Amen. Ladies, let's quit wasting time and let's start evaluating some of the points that Paul wants us to look at that are non-negotiables for a future husband. Let's read Ephesians five twenty-five. It says it this way, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her having cleansed her body by the washing of the water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy. Let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. What are some non-negotiables, ladies, that Paul is illustrating here in the book of Ephesians that, that your man is supposed to be? First and foremost, he is supposed to lead in love. We as men of Christ... If you're wanting your marriage to glorify God, you have to lead in love. This is the equivalent to your wife being able to respect you. It's it's having her love you as well. But the love that Paul is talking about here is the Is a type of love, it's not an heiress love, that's a a passionate love. It's not a filial love, which is like a family affection love. It's a sacrificial love. We as husbands love our wives as Christ has loved his church. What did he do? What did Christ do for the church? He gave his life to the church so we as followers could have a relationship with him. See, A husband is sacrificing his single life, who he was, and he is giving it to his wife sacrificially, his love. He gives up his rights, yet he maintains his responsibilities that he is committed to. He loves his wife sacrificially. That means he thinks more of her than he does himself. He comes to the marriage to serve, not to dictate. Do I need to say that again? He comes to serve, not to dictate. And here's the hard truth about this, guys. Let me just be honest. I've been married for eight years now. Loving someone with no condition can be difficult for us. Now hear me on this. I've seen myself fail many times over this. I've seen many of my friends fail at this many times. It is sacrificially loving and serving my wife, not based on what she has done for me or what she will do for me. I serve her because she is my wife and I lay my life down for her like Jesus laid his life down for me. He didn't come to this world to dictate and to dominate and to demand how different would the narrative be in the Bible if Jesus, like, came into the world and was like, you act that way, bro? Like, mm I ain't going to serve you, right? Oh, oh, you talk that way about that person. mm I ain't dying for you. You can stand aside. Or lady at the well, you got five husbands? Shame on you, right? My, This ain't, this ain't going to die for you, Right? Or what, what about on the flip side? Oh, you know what, Peter actually, like I'm gonna quit serving you because I know that you're just gonna deny me three times later anyway. How different would the narrative be for us if Jesus acted that way to us? But he didn't. No, Jesus loved us so much that he gave his life up for us now, then, and forevermore. Not because of what we have done for him, not, not for what we have done after him, not for what we will ever do for him. He came because he loved us so much, he died for us. See, fellas, let me just tell you a little secret. Marriage isn't about what you can get. It's about giving with no condition. You give without expectation or reciprocation. You give her your everything because Jesus gave you his everything. That's a big responsibility. Be careful what you use it for. So ladies, how do we evaluate this? How do we apply this? How do we look at this guy that we are dating? Simply look at him. How how well does he serve people? Like, does he really, truly serve people? Like, like not just out of convenience. Yeah, I'll help you with your homework. Or, yeah, I'll change your tire. Right? Half the guys don't even know how to change tires anymore. Let's be honest. I'll call AAA for you. Right? It's on my dad's tab, though. Right? You're laughing because it's true. All right? Hey, it helps. Right? Like, I, never mind. i go there. Like, that's stage one. Don't get me wrong. I think that's great. Stage two, I believe, is like, do they really help people? Like, do they really serve people that it won't benefit them at all? I mean, I, of course, I know that we have a lot of dudes in here that like to serve people. They just happen to be about five foot two and blonde all the time, right? Yeah, I'll, serve, I'll bring you lunch, right? I'll serve you, right? Praise Jesus, WWJD, right? <laughs> Look at the guy for real, though. Is he serving people, rich to poor, young to old, not because of what they can do for him, but because Jesus has loved him so much that he wants to share that with the world? Does, do they serve people because Jesus loves, lo- loves them? Now ladies, let me tell you why this is important. If he doesn't serve people like Jesus, he won't serve you like Jesus. If he doesn't love people like Jesus, he won't love you like Jesus. And that is a very dangerous position to put yourself in. Ladies, let's just do a little side note here from your pastor. This is what I found more commonly in in relationships Than not, especially in this situation. What I found most common with males who do not serve people and don't love people the way that Jesus did, they expect you to still serve them and love them the way that Jesus did. That's not a good person to attach your life with. I truly believe in most cases that happens. That's a side note, put it in your bank. Put it in the back of your head and think about it. Point two, not only is he supposed to lead in love, but 5.26, it says that he might sanctify her and having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word. What is he supposed to be? He must lead in the word. See, Paul never shied away from the fact that believers need to have knowledge of the word. Why? Because he would go and he would plant these churches just like he did here in Ephesus. And he would spend some time with them, maybe months, maybe years, and then he would leave them to work out their own faith, build the church, duplicate, and time after time, he didn't leave them alone with nothing. He would leave them with the word of God, not to fall back on, but for, them, for the word of God to be the light into their path and the lamp and to their feet. You ready for this? This is what I love when looking at the early church, and this is what I strive for churches to be like in the world today, is that they would not move. They would not move unless it was true in the Word of God and was provoked by the Spirit. They wouldn't even worship. They would wait in the room and worship until they felt the presence of the Spirit, and then they would study God's Word. They didn't counsel people without the Word of God. They didn't worship without the Word of God. They didn't even pray without using the words of God. They didn't go out into the world until they used the Word of God. They didn't live. They didn't spend their money unless everything aligned with the Word of God, and it was provoked by the Spirit. So, fellas... What does the scripture, what does the word of God mean to you? Hold on. Don't be answering too quick, right? Let's just judge the last three weeks of your life. You know, before you tell me your VBS answer, that's Vacation Bible School, for y'all don't know that, before you give me your third grade answer that you learned from Miss Tackett, right, in your Sunday school? Show me your schedule the last three weeks. If you totaled up every day over the last three weeks of your life, would you say that you used your time to prove that the Bible was important to you? Did it help direct your actions? Did it help challenge the words that you said? Did it help stop maybe some jokes in your life? What about your thought life the last three weeks? Were we thinking like what the Bible says, that we're supposed to think on what is right and what is pure and what is holy? How many of us could say that the last three weeks... Our minds were so full of the word of God in our life and in our minds that we didn't even have enough room for our own words. Or how much time did we spend tearing our own life down and we didn't pour over our our, our minds and our thoughts with the scriptures and we didn't pour into our life the promises of God and, and the love of God in our life. Or did we spend all that time tearing ourselves down and tearing our world apart just with our thoughts? Lives. What about spreading the word? Because if you read the word, you meditate on the word, you speak the word to yourself, you memorize the word, the word becomes one with you. And guess what? When you are so captured by the word of God, you want to spread the word of God because you want other people to experience it. If someone judged just the words that came out of your mouth the last three weeks, would they get any closer to Jesus? So ladies, let me tell you something about why it's important for a man to lead with God's word. This is what Paul is saying here. It's for your sanctification. Sanctification is is once someone has given their life to Jesus, sanctification is becoming more like Jesus. You want to be more like Jesus in your marriage? Be led by a man who's led by the Word of God. Why? Because a man that's being, word, being led by the Word of God, he will edify you with the Word of God. He will educate you with the Word of God. And sometimes, yes, just sometimes... Not all the time, but sometimes he will even critique you with the word of God. Now, my wife likes to critique me a lot more than I like to critique her. All right, man, she's holier than me. It's okay. She said amen to that. (laughs) Because it's God's words that will help them, and they use it so we can become more like Jesus. See, if he only talks from his limited knowledge and his understanding, then you will become less of a wife. You will become less of a mother because you will be less even of a child of God if, if you depended on a husband like that. But if your husband was led by the word of God, I'm telling you, the marriage becomes unified and your marriage will glorify God and it makes him stronger and it makes you stronger. Now listen, I want to say a little side note here because I feel like I need to cover something that I've had a lot of people ask me over the last probably years, like, well, Brent, I'm either interested in a guy or I'm dating a guy right now that, you know, like, he's not a new Christian, but he's like just, he's newer and he's kind of growing in his faith right now. And it's like, well, should I date him? Should I not date him? Like, where should I be in that situation? First and foremost, I'm going to say this again, don't ever date, don't ever marry somebody who is not a Christian. I love them, I care for them, let's bring them to Jesus, right, before you attach your life to them. But the second thing is, don't date someone who's a, who's a brand new Christian. Last month they got saved, that's great, praise Jesus, hallelujah, but this is why. Because they need to make some changes in their life before they enter a relationship with you. They need to understand what Jesus can do for them and in and through them. And they need to take off some of the old and they need to put on some of the new. They need to become more like Christ and they need to know that this relationship is way more important than this relationship will ever be. Because if you get someone too new, they're gonna make you their God and they don't know that, what they're missing out with the God. Amen, Hallelujah. They got to learn how to read and pray and meditate before they ever need to worry about dating you. But listen, but some of us, we need to give some dudes some grace. Because there's some dudes in here who are hungry for the Word of God. They they, they might be a newer Christian, but they're not a they're not a baby infant Christian and they're hungry man I love it they're hungry they're going to church they're getting discipled they got a small group they got some brotherhood around them iron ironing sharpened iron and they're learning more and more about Jesus every single week see when in that boat I would say look at the hunger of a christian man before only judging him by his knowledge why because i've seen a lot of people with lots of lo- lots of knowledge but no hunger Look at both. See if their hunger excites you to be more hungry. If their hunger excites you to be more hungry, I think you could attach your life with it because obviously they're stirring something in you and you can stir something in them and y'all can grow together in oneness and glorify God. Point number three, 527, it says, So that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or such a thing. That she might be holy and without blemish. Point number three, he must lead in purity. See, Paul is saying to the church, church, you have been cleansed. You've been set free without spot or wrinkle by the blood of Jesus because Jesus has done all that he has needed to do to set the people of God free and right in standing order with no spot, wrinkle. Same goes for the women of God. See, if you have confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you have believed in your heart that God raised him from the third day to conquer everything, then she is saved. She has her name written in the book of life. She has a destination in heaven. Yes, she even has a mansion built for her in glory. She will be with Jesus forever. And when God looks at her, he doesn't see her sin. He sees his son and therefore she is Spotless. So before we get to us being pure with one another, I think, fellas, we need to look at our individual lives and say, are we being pure on our own? Are we pure? Do we practice purity? Like if Jesus came down right now, fellas, let's be honest here. If Jesus came down right now, met you in your bedroom, looked at you face to face, toe to toe, he looked you up and down and he judged one thing in your life over purity. Would you be comfortable with it? Like like seriously, like there would be no hiding anything. There would be just straight like revealing time like would we be able to see, like, have we set the bar of purity so low in our life that we still are able to achieve it? Like, how high is the bar of purity in your life? How high do you aim to be pure in in, in, in front of Jesus? And see, this is what's scary. You see, at this time and age, purity was even hard for them, yes? Like, it was hard for them to be pure. They didn't have the internet, right? They just had a girl down the street, and they could be impure. Like, they they didn't have quite the technology that we have. And this is what's scary, especially raising three boys in this world, is that we can be impure with our fingertips, right? We can pull out our little cell phones, and it is right there. You know, do we, like Galatians and... And I believe it's 1 Corinthians. Do we see that we are, we are a higher standard? We should set our bar so high that we know that we should not be impure. We should, be, we should not be sexually immoral in any way. Are we cutting off the things in this world that are holding us from running so fast towards Jesus Christ? Are we protecting ourselves, brothers? This is what's scary to me is it can take four words in this world today to turn your ear off God and turn your ear on to impurity. With four words, you can say, Siri, show me porn. Hopefully your phones didn't just go off right then. That, I just thought about that. That would be weird, right? Heyo. Porn is a $12 billion industry. It is worth more than ABC, NBC, and CBS combined. Obviously, they have something that people are watching. You know, there are many ways that I could talk about porn. I I couldn't just come up with, with just one way, and I think many of us know it's a sin. If you don't, it's a sin. But I I saw a study that, that if you watch enough porn, it actually can change the chemicals in your brain and how it functions, and it can actually become an addiction in your life to where you feel like you need it to even survive. And it gets harder and harder to stop. It is literally an addiction. Now, I could talk many ways, like you can stop it this way, you can stop it that way. But this is what I want to say about porn. Porn is a desire that turns into sin when you watch it. It can turn into a habit. The more that you watch it, and the more that it becomes a habit, it will become an idol. And when it becomes an idol is when it becomes something that you use to fix or satisfy a certain emotion in your life. And this is why this is dangerous. Because when you put idols in your life, you are using them instead of relying on Jesus. So when you are looking at porn, you are telling Jesus, I don't trust you with this circumstance in my life, and I'm gonna to try to fix it and satisfy it myself, so I'm not gonna look at you, I'm gonna look at this idol. Guys, how many times in the last month or two Have we taken up that idol and pushed away Jesus? Fellas, let me give you some advice here. Let's let's rise up. Let's show Jesus how much you want him to be Jesus in your life. It's time to put the screens away, amen? Don't go to bed with your phone, your laptop. Leave it. In the other room, don't watch certain movies that are going to make the, the mind start rolling. Don't hit the search glass button on your Instagram because you know that, well, I'm not going to be looking up porn on Instagram, but it's going to trigger something, and by the end of the night, you're probably going to be getting there anyway. If you are extreme about this, set your privacy settings and let your roommate set the code for it. If you want to go even more help, if you're like, if you're crying for help and I need some serious help, then go get Covenant Eyes, which tracks everything that you search or you look for in your phone or, or your computer, and it tracks it on a list, and go give that list to your mama. Because I guarantee you your mama is gonna look at it and hold you accountable, amen. Everybody's like, Well, that's getting a little too real, Brent. How serious are you about making Jesus, Jesus in your life? Let me tell you what happens when you put down the screens and you start becoming more like Jesus. You're going to see how powerful your God is. He's going to give you something abundantly and exceedingly more than you could ever ask for, wish for, or hope for. And I'm telling you, it's amazing. Once you start walking away from that addiction and you start rolling with Jesus and learning and growing in Jesus, I'm telling you, it will be so satisfying you won't even be able to believe what you used to be stuck in. Give him a chance to be God in your life. Ask yourself this, is that how can I say that Jesus is Lord in my life if I'm not letting him, him be Lord in my life? Let's make him Lord and I. Ladies, I think I think if you're wanting to attach your life with this guy, ask him straight up. Are you looking up porn? I think you should know him well enough that he might you'll be able to tell if he's lying. Fellas, why don't you man up and be honest about it? See if you're on your way to be getting engaged and you know that this might be the person for you, then I think you know her, trust her enough to say, all right, let's have an open phone policy. Right? Hmm? Right? Open phone policy. You can look at whatever I've looked at. Now, obviously, if my boy texts me, don't be creeping on that, all right? But no, have an open phone policy. Check him. See what his safari is looking at. Now, girls, don't be like grading him. All right, today's day for finals, right? Let's look at your phone, right? (laughs) But see, when you have accountability, you have freedom. Some of y'all feel like you're so stuck in this, so you're hiding it, it's a secret sin. Listen, expose it, because the devil wants you to hide it. Expose it. Show people your vulnerability. Show people, hey, I need accountability. And I'm telling you, you'll have freedom like you've never felt before. Now, girls, listen, this is important. Why is this important? Because a guy who won't protect his purity is not someone who's going to protect your purity. If he's willing to allow an idol in his life, he'll share that idol with your life. Idols duplicate really well with sin. That's why it's important to have a significant other who's an idol smasher, not an idol passer. An idol smasher is someone who does not allow a substitute Jesus in their life. And they're honest about it. And they're real about it. And when their brothers talk to them, they're like, yo, bro, like, why do you put your phone and your laptop on the kitchen counter when you go to bed? That's just weird, right? Like, they're like, no, I put it on the kitchen because, you know, I don't trust myself in my weakness. And I know that if it's in there, it's going to be asking me to look it up going to be asking me to search. You know what? I'm going to waste time. I'm going to search. You know, I'm going to end up looking at porn. Yeah, bro, but like I tried to use your computer the other day and like your parental controls were so crazy I couldn't look up anything. Why do you do that? You know what? My my computer was made to help me be educated, not to make me sin more. And I put these parental controls because I want to become the best student I can, and I wanna use the computer the way that it was designed, and I don't want it to be a sin of the flesh anymore. I don't trust myself with the full access on this. Girls in relationships, listen to how he leads when you are in the relationship. If he's like, hey babe, I like you a lot, like you are hot, right? Smoking hot, that's what Caroline used to always say to me when I had hair. Just kidding, she still says it. Woo! Come on now. There's still a Jesus. But if that guy's like, hey, listen, I can never be on a bed with you alone by myself, with me and you, with the lights off anymore. Like it just, I just can't do it because listen, I'm a passionate person. My love language is touch, right? And I am burning with passion, right? bad mixture, can't do it, please, just like. But he sets bars because he wants to say, man, 11 o'clock, let's make that our curfew. Nothing good can happen after 11 o'clock because I want to be glorifying God and all that I can do. So ladies, find a man that can give you leadership on how to be pure. Lastly, not, not least though, is into intimacy. How does he lead in intimacy? I'm not going to spend long on this, but it doesn't make it any less important. God cherishes his church and he loves it tremendously. A man should love his wife and treasure her tremendously. Like, like when he looks at her, he should be like in Proverbs a man that finds a wife find something good like he should see her and know that he has found something good and listen I don't know how any other way to teach it I try to I try to think of some creative way to say this but I can just tell you a own personal story for my 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 life listen I love my wife I love you babe you're my girl a couple weeks ago we came to church and our two-year-old just would not go to Sunday school. We tried to bribe him. We tried to give him candy, say, hey, we'll take you to the store, buy you a toy, like nothing. Here's a hundred dollars. Will you go to Sunday school, right? And right? Who would go to church if I gave you a hundred dollars? Come on now. What? But we brought him into church service with us, and my my the the worship was on and I looked over at my wife, and she's holding this this ginormous two-year-old. But she's over there, and she's she's not just worshiping. Like, she's worshiping. And my heart melted. When I was watching my wife worship something that she loves to do because I know her. Like, I know what was going on that week. All of our kids were sick. She was getting like two hours of sleep a night. Like we were trying, like we were running a mess all week, like just running a farm in our house. And like I looked over and she's over and she's not just worshiping, like she's like worshiping. She's crying, worshiping to Jesus. And she's holding this baby in one arm and she has her hand up in the other. And I'm like, I get this. I know her, I know her heart. I know where she's coming from. She is praising Jesus whenever, everything else should be pulling her down in this world. And I look at her and I know the depths of her heart that she's giving it to Jesus at that point. I was excited. I was like, that's my wife. And I love her because I know her heart intimately. I know her intrinsic value. I know who she is. And just to put a little cherry on top of, of just being so thankful for her and seeing her worship As then, about the middle of her worship, I see my two-year-old. He looks at his mama, and he starts raising his hand, and he starts worshiping like his mama. And I said, that's my wife, and little boy, I hope that you know how to worship Jesus like your mama does, because she's going to take you to his feet. That's the type of wife that we need in this world. Ladies, listen, you need to find... A man that loves your essence, that loves your intrinsic value, that loves you through and through and wants to protect your heart and protect who you are, who likes you for you, who doesn't try to smother, dictate, try to take you away from the throne but wants to leave you at the throne and let you just thrive in the gospel and connect with Jesus the way that you know how to connect because it becomes intimate and it becomes pure and you start having a relationship with your wife that is special and only you and your wife have that special connection that no one can rip away. Find that person. So closing up here, ladies and gentlemen, marriage is a two-way street where a man and a woman have their responsibilities. Yes to each other, but it has one conclusion. How do we glorify God? Ladies, I beg you, Don't settle for a man that settles for a mediocre Christianity. Cling to a man that leads in love, that leads in the word, that leads in purity, and that leads in intimacy. You find that, you have found someone that is worth connecting your life with, anchoring your ship to, and praise Jesus for finding that marriage. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for you and I thank you for your word and I thank you that you give us such pure direction on such a big, important thing in our life. I know many of us, we think on, on dating and marriage and all this and Lord, I ask first and foremost, if there's someone in here that, that is looking so bad for a relationship that they are losing faith, I ask them to just take that away. And let them just rest in your presence for the next couple of months. Let them be able to find a deeper relationship with you and be able to find identity in you and be able to find encouragement in you. And Lord, just just be with them. Some of us in here, we don't have a relationship with you. And Lord, I ask that they make that relationship tonight. That they either come down front and pray with somebody and say, listen, I wanna make a relationship with Jesus or maybe in their seats, they say, you know what, Lord, I wanna confess with my mouth that you are Lord, I wanna believe in my heart that you, you rose him from the dead and that you satisfied every sin that I've ever done. You've taken it away. And when you look at me, Lord, I hope you see Jesus and I wanna give my life to that. And I wanna testify that with my life. I wanna live for him. Lord, don't let these women of God settle for a man that they shouldn't be with, but let them Hold on and let them be able to find the one true guy that's living right for Jesus. And Lord, on the flip side of that, there's some men in here that they are battling a lot of things in their life. some addiction. Could be porn, it could be something else. I don't know what it is. My prayer is that they step out of their seats tonight. They either come and lay down at this altar, they come and pray with somebody. Lord, let them just say, you know what? I don't care who sees me anymore because I'm not doing this for them. I'm doing this for you because I wanna give my life 100% for you. I wanna take this idol out of my life and I wanna give it to you, Lord. Lord, give them strength. Give them passion for them. Lord, be with us tonight. Let us worship these last couple songs and give it all to you. For it's your name.